Amen. Let us take up our Bibles this evening. We're turning in the Word of God to the Gospel of Matthew and to the chapter 27. The Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 27. And we have been in our Gospel meeting considering Calvary afresh. And if you have been with us, you will know that we've been in Matthew chapter 27 already. And we're moving down the chapter to take up our reading at the verse 45 and reading verses that have become even more familiar to us in recent days and those events which took place at Golgotha, at the place of the skull. And we want to return again to consider another of those great events. Matthew chapter 27, the verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many." Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Amen. We'll end there at the verse 54. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading of his own precious, inspired, and infallible word. Returning together in God's precious word to the portion of Scripture that we have read together, Matthew's Gospel and the chapter 27. Matthew's Gospel, the chapter 27. And just a couple of Lord's days ago, this is the very chapter that we were in. And I took as my text then the words of verse 51. And we return to that verse again this evening. Last time we were thinking about the veil of the temple being rent in twain, but it's to the latter part of this verse that I would draw your attention this evening. The verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. The earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And tonight we think about the earthquake at Calvary. 
Let's just unite together as we consider this portion in the gospel this evening. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank Thee tonight for the light of Scripture. And we ask, O God, that the light would shine even into hearts this evening. And we know, our Father, that we cannot lean upon the arm of the flesh. We know that that would fail us. And therefore we come and we cry to thee for the help of God the Holy Spirit. May the blessed author of the book apply that word. And may the entrance of thy word give light even unto hearts this evening. Encourage each of thy children. Strengthen our faith in thee. And though even tonight, our Father, through the ordained means, the preaching of the cross, we pray that sinners would be the saved of the Lord. Hear our prayer and abide with us now and shut us into thy presence. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Scientists tell us that the earth's surface is made up of a number of different plates. And each of those plates making up the surface of the earth they're able to move. Now, thankfully, they don't move very far. And thankfully, they move slowly. But whenever those plates that make up the earth's surface begin to move, they then bump into each other, as it were. And they cause a trembling. They cause the earth to quake. And that's what we would know and understand this evening to be an earthquake whenever those plates begin to move. Now they also tell us that every year there would be millions of earthquakes that take place. But most of them would be so small that they would go almost unnoticed. There are other earthquakes, of course, that are so powerful that their effects could be felt even thousands of miles away. I can remember a number of years ago spending my first night in Uganda. And there, in very basic accommodation, I was in my mosquito net trying to get over to sleep. Very difficult to sleep the first night. And as I was just dozing off to sleep, I thought the bed moved. And it wakened me up. And as I lay there awake upon the bed, it moved again. And I said, I'm not dreaming. The bed is moving. And two or three times more, the bed moved. And I was just praying to get over to sleep. And I was so glad to get to sleep. And I learned the next day that it was actually earth tremors that was causing the bed to move. That was just a little tremor. I wouldn't like to experience the full-blown earthquake. And some of them can have, of course, cataclysmic consequences. It was 1935 that Charles Richter invented that instrument that was able to measure the strength of earthquakes. 
And that scale today is still used and it's known as the Richter scale, named after the man who invented it. And the most powerful earthquake that was ever recorded was in 1960 in Chile. And it read between 9.4 and 9.6 on the Richter scale. It was catastrophic consequences. Buildings collapsed. The ground split open. Landslides occurred and thousands of lives were lost. The devastation of an earthquake. Earthquakes can happen under the sea. We have learned about that in recent years. And the earthquake that happens under the sea is called a tsunami. And of course, whenever the waves begin to build up and they head for the shore, there's devastating consequences along the coastline where the tsunami will come ashore. Earthquakes. Geologists would tell us that they cannot say when or where the next earthquake is going to occur. When we come to the Bible, we find that the Bible mentions earthquakes many, many times. Some would tell us that as early as Genesis chapter 1, we have uh, witnessed there evidence of an earthquake. It was there on the third day between days 2 and 3. And in Genesis chapter 1 and the verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And it suggested to us that while the actual term earthquake is not used there, but there was such an upheaval that there was something of an earthquake for the dry land to appear. Also in the days of the great deluge, the great flood, in the days of Noah, you would have to say that there's evidence there where there must have been something on the scale of a a massive earthquake, ground shattering, whenever the great flood occurred. Over in the book of Exodus, there is also evidence in Exodus chapter 19, when it was coming to Mount Sinai and to the Lord giving of the law on Mount Sinai. In Exodus 19 and the verse 18, it says, And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And there as the Lord was giving the law, the whole mount quaked greatly. There was an earthquake there. You'll know, of course, in the New Testament scriptures, and the location there was Philippi. And going into the jail at Philippi, there was Paul and Silas with Uh, Their feet bound in the stalks and they were singing praises unto the Lord. And at midnight, it tells us, midnight, 
In Acts chapter 16 and the verse 26 it says, There was a great earthquake. The great earthquake that came and it shook the very foundations of the prison. The foundations of the prison were moved and the prison doors were thrown open. An earthquake. Of course, there are other earthquakes referred to in the Word of God. That's just an example of some. And there's the earthquake here before us in this text of Scripture. In Matthew 27 and the verse 51, there at Calvary, Mount Calvary, it tells us that the earth did quake. There as the Lord Jesus Christ was laying down his life for sinners such as you and me, there was an earthquake. I want us to think for a little time together about that earthquake. I believe it teaches us about the Lord himself. Firstly, it teaches us about the power of the Lord. The earth did quake and the rocks rent. Interestingly, it's only Matthew's gospel that tells us about the earthquake. None of the other evangelists actually mention it, but Matthew gives us the details of it here. And he's recording the sequence of events that took place there at Calvary. And we have been stepping through some of those things that took place. In our gospel meeting, we have been looking at those details and even something of the sequence of them. And we would have to say tonight, it was no coincidence. Not just random events taking place here. We would have to see that this is all ordered by the Lord. We would have to see the power of God here. The Lord is in control of what is taking place at Calvary. Do you remember we considered the darkness at Calvary? There where we took up our Bible reading at verse 45. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land onto the ninth hour. And at that time, we established that that was from 12 noon to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. The time of day that would normally be most bright. The time whenever the sun is at its height in the sky, the brightest time of the day, there was darkness, the miracle of that darkness. One of the wonders of Calvary. The darkness fell. And it lasted for that period of three hours. And then about the ninth hour, just there about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, there was a cry from the cross. There was a cry from the center tree. It was a cry that pierced through that darkness when the Savior cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then when you look there at verse 50, it tells us that he cried again with a loud voice. When we compare the different gospel writers, we find that that particular cry was the cry, It is finished! 
The Lord Jesus Christ was able to cry from the cross, it is finished. He had finished the work which the Father had given him to do. The darkness, the cry when he was forsaken of the Father, the cry when he had finished the work. And in the end of verse 50 says, he yielded up the ghost. He gave his life. His life wasn't taken from him. He gave his life. It's the voluntary sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. No man took it from him. He laid it down of himself. He had power to lay it down and he had power to take it again. But he has yielded up the ghost. He has died. And at that precise moment, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And in that same moment of time, when you read in our verse 51, that same moment of time, it says, and the earth did quake. And when we follow that sequence of events, we would have to conclude that these things are not random events. These things are all taking place at the control of the Lord himself. We're seeing a demonstration of the power of God. Even here at Calvary, this ground-shaking, ground-breaking event, it takes place at the very moment that the Savior yielded up the ghost and the moment there of his death, the very earth began to tremble. You see, tonight the earth trembled at the death of God's dear Son. The earth did quake. And the rocks rent and it would appear from our text of Scripture that This wasn't just a local earthquake. Oh, we don't know the power of this earthquake, but we imagine that its effects were felt perhaps right around the earth. When you compare the darkness there in verse 45, it was over all the land, and we suggest that at that time that it was over all the earth. And when you compare that with the words of verse 51, it would seem that when the earth did quake, the effects of what was taking place at Calvary reverberated around the world. The power of the Lord was demonstrated in the power of the earthquake. The earth trembled. The earth did quake. It adds at the end of verse 51, the rocks rent. It's a breaking here of the rocks. And can you see the power of God that is being demonstrated to us here? Power that's reaching right around the world. And spiritually we could say that the effects are still being felt today of what took place at Calvary. The very power of God and the gospel that through the death of God's dear son, the power of God still is felt around the world. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto watch which are saved. It's the power of God. 
power of God right around this world. The earthquake at Calvary is reminding us this evening of the power of God. But secondly, the purpose of the Lord. An earthquake is something which captures your attention. If you begin to feel the very earth moving beneath your feet, it's going to draw your attention. You're going to be captivated. And here by these events, the Lord is drawing attention to what's taking place, to what's happening at Calvary. Cataclysmic events are happening here. There's a message here. We could say an object lesson. The rocks are rent. The breaking off the rock. The rending off the rock. The Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible is known as the rock. You could go through the Old Testament. You could look to the Psalms and how many times over the psalmist would say of the Lord, he's my rock. The rock of my defense. The one who is that rock to his people. You think in the words of the Apostle Paul as he was writing to the Corinthians In 1 Corinthians and the chapter 10, he referred back to the Old Testament and the time of wandering in the wilderness. And he says, And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the rock. Do you remember Moses in the Old Testament? He spoke to the rock and the water flowed from the rock. On another occasion, he smote the rock and the water came. And at Calvary, the rock of our salvation is being smitten at Calvary. We could say in applying the words to the Lord Jesus Christ that the rock was rent at Calvary referring to the sufferings of our Savior. And the very sound of the earthquake and the rocks being rent and the ground as it shakes is an indication of the suffering that the Lord Jesus Christ endured at Calvary. The very ground is groaning, as it were. The blessed Son of God Suffering there upon the tree. I find it very interesting in Romans chapter 8. In the verse 22. And Paul writes there. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Paul's saying of this whole creation. This whole creation is groaning and travailing in pain until now and is looking forward to that great day of redemption when our redemption will be full and complete. But the creation is groaning and there was no day that it groaned more than at Calvary when the Lord Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died upon that tree. Whenever the rock The rock was rent at Calvary. But we could apply those words in a different way, the rock being rent. The Bible describes the heart of the ungodly. 
as being like rock. It's such a hard heart. The word of God is described as the hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. And there's the word of God that is able to come and applied by the power of God's spirit. It can break the hardest heart. A heart that's as hard as flint. A heart that's as hard as rock. The message of the gospel. The message contained in this book about the love of God for sinners. About a saviour who loved the sinner that he was prepared to go to Calvary and to suffer and bleed and die and to lay down his life uh, for sinful individuals. My, that's a message that's able to break the hardest of hearts. George Whitfield was one who preached in the open air. And he preached to the miners as they came up out of the mines. Hundreds of miners were gathered there before him with their blackened faces with the coal dust. And he began to preach the gospel to them and to tell them about the love of God in Christ Jesus, the Savior who went to the cross and died for them that their sins would be forgiven. Big white lines began to appear down their blackened faces. Many of those miners wept their way to Calvary, closed in with the Lord Jesus Christ and got gloriously saved. The message of the cross, the message that's able to break the hardest of hearts. Maybe you would hear one saying, what would it take for a sinner to get saved? Oh, it would take an earthquake to move them. And here we have a demonstration of that in the word of God. The happenings here at Calvary, my, it did not go unnoticed when you look down the passage that we read together, the verse 54 where we finish. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus, mark the words, saw the earthquake, those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, This was the Son of God. The purpose in the earthquake that sinners would see that the one who has died upon the tree was truly the Son of God. I wonder today if there's one, maybe a heart that has been hardened, far away from the Lord, no time for God or the gospel, but the love of God is able to reach into the very hardest heart I read about Augustus Toplady. He penned those words, Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. It is said that Augustus Toplady, those words came to him when he was actually sheltering in the cleft of a rock from the storm. And it's maybe so that that's where he got the inspiration for the hymn. But his very first encounter with the Lord, in fact, the time when Augustus Top Lady got saved, he was 16 years of age. And there had been an earthquake. And the earthquake so stirred his heart that he decided to go to hear the gospel being preached. 
Augustus Toplady he was a very educated young man, but he went to a meeting in a barn. And the preacher was a simple preacher called James Morris. But at that meeting, Augustus Toplady, being the only convert, was gloriously saved and won for the Lord Jesus Christ. And soon after, he became a great preacher of the gospel. And of course, the hymn writer as well. He was stirred by an earthquake. Know that even as we would consider the earthquake at Calvary tonight, that there would be a heart that would be stirred and a heart that would be irresistibly drawn to close in with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you read of Calvary and you can read of those who were mocking, those who were pouring scorn upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but do you see when these events took place, the darkness came, and the earth began to quake and to tremble and the rocks rent. Oh, the atmosphere changed. It became a very solemn time. And Luke chapter 23 and the verse 48 says that those that were there smote upon their breasts at the things that were taking place. Though that you would see tonight that the one who is laying down his life is none other than the Son of God. This is no light matter. This is a serious thing. And he's laying down his life in order that the sinner would be saved. And if you're not saved tonight, oh, we would urge upon you to come and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does this earthquake teach us about the Lord? It teaches us about the power of the Lord. And it teaches us about the purpose of the Lord. But surely it also teaches us about the prophecy of the Lord. We have already referred to Exodus chapter 19, the giving of the law there on Sinai. And it was marked by an earthquake that the whole of the mount uh, did quake at that particular time. Haggai, that little book, a minor prophecy uh, before the end of the Old Testament in Haggai chapter 2, the verses 6 and 7. Listen to these words. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. And Haggai the prophet is speaking about a shaking, an earthquake as it were, the heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land. What an earthquake that's going to be. Paul's letter to the Hebrews in chapter 12 and the verse 26, he says, Whose voice then shook the earth. So the apostle is referring back to Exodus, to the giving of the law. And he's saying there at that time, it was the voice of the Lord that shook the earth. And in verse 26 he says, But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. 
And so there's something here of a change. The point being made is of a change from the old to the new, from the old economy to the new economy, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, you had the law, you had the ceremony, you had the ritual, you had all of the sacrifices. But it has given way to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and prophecy has been fulfilled at Calvary. And just as there was the earthquake at the giving of the law, so there's the earthquake there at Calvary. Prophecy is fulfilled. But it's speaking about an earthquake that is yet to happen. The prophecy of the future, that of looking forward in time. And whenever you think of those references we've mentioned there in Haggai chapter 2, And it's also covered by Isaiah the prophet. He spoke about that day whenever the earth would be moved. And as the Apostle John pens the final book in the Bible, the book of the Revelation and the chapter 6, he speaks there about the opening up of the sixth seal. And as the sixth seal is opened, it's marked by an earthquake. And in Revelation 6 and the verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And there, looking forward yet in time, it's speaking to us about judgment. It's speaking about the judgment of the Lord. And as the sixth seal is opened, there's a great earthquake. The details are given in Revelation chapter 6, verse 14. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. An earthquake that's going to shake the whole of this earth. An earthquake that's going to bring great terror and great fear upon the unsaved, upon the ungodly. Revelation 6 and the verse 16 They will say to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. That time when the sixth seal is opened and the earth is going to quake with a great earthquake. The ungodly, the unprepared, they're going to be running to try and hide themselves from the very face of the Lord. Because the great day of his wrath is come. And so the earthquake really speaks to us this evening with a warning voice. The earthquake has a message about the future, about the coming judgment, about the wrath of God. Great day of his wrath has come. And Revelation chapter 6 finishes with these words And who shall be able to stand? Who's going to be able to stand in that great day of the Lord? 
The very next chapter, Revelation 7, mentions about those who will stand. Verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, listen, stood before the throne. Those who stood before the throne, that innumerable company of the Lord's people, And on down Revelation chapter 7, it describes them as they that have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Those who are ready for that great day. The earthquake is going to usher in the very wrath of God. The wrath of God against all ungodly. Those who are not prepared to meet the Lord. Therefore I say to you tonight, listen to the warning voice of the earthquake. Oh, that you would hear that message tonight. That you would heed that message. That you would come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you would be ready. And you would be prepared for the great day of his wrath that will come. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening.